Welcome in to the DNVR Avalanche Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, the number one rated sportsbook app out there. I am your host, Rudo, joined by AJ Hayfley with Spooky Scary Skeletons. Happy spook season, spooky season, that's the one. Spooky season. Uh, On today's show, we're going to talk about some of the potential start dates for leagues around North America, not just the NHL, but others as well that are all kind of crucial to the whole hockey infrastructure of the continent, essentially. But we're also going to get into answering some of y'all's questions as well. And who knows what else madness we could get into based on the way the pre-show went. We could we could talk about just about anything on today's show. But look, if any of you know how guns fire in space, uh, <laughs> please Rudo, let us know. <laughs> Rudo and I were very curious about five minutes ago. A kickback from a shotgun and in zero G. How does that work? Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, today, well, honestly, over the last couple of days, a handful of leagues have targeted dates for return. Uh, for professional leagues, the AHL is looking at February 4th. And in Canadian juniors, the OHL. Targeting, targeting a 2021 return as well. So at this point, it seems very, very clear that outside of the QMJHL, which is sort of still playing right now, there will be no other hockey in North America until the turn of the year. So, yeah, um, really, I think that was the big takeaway, right? Yeah, was pretty that- much. We're not getting. We're not getting any. Uh, I guess technically the World Juniors will start this year, but and you know the the nice part about the World Juniors is that uh, they're in Canada. Yep. And so we we will be able to watch them at regular people hours. Yep. Not free in the morning type stuff going on. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited for that, man. Like it's it's a funny it's funny, but like Europe, I'm all of our European listeners. They'll be able to tell you it sucks. Yep. And so when you have it, when when it's on your side and it, and it go and it's going your way, you're very excited about that. <laughs> That's it's nice. It it works out very well for me personally in certain ways too. Because not only will it be in prime time for me, it won't be competing with any professional leagues for me because the other leagues won't have started yet. So it'll be super easy for me to binge the worlds and and have. Have some fun as I was looking for silver linings for the year of 2020 so far. But this, see, I don't, this is what, not what I wanted to hear. If I build a shotgun that will fire in space, what would happen? What would I need? What if I have, do I need an oxygen canister like attached to my shotgun to make it fire? Or would that just cause a bomb, basically? Probably would just cause a bomb. Okay. I'm missing our chat right now because I've been focused on something else. <laughs> Somebody gave us an answer. Two people have said it probably just wouldn't fire at all. So Okay. <laughs> oh, see now. See now this guy's saying they would fire though, so <laughs> guns would work in zero G gravity is not generating the force needed to project a bullet or create kickback. Okay. okay. So what we're going to do is we're going to need everybody to find out who's at the International Space Station right now. (laughs) Build a gun, shoot that thing, and let us know. Yeah. Spacewalk time. Yeah. I I mean, would you be able, like, what would happen if 
you just put a like strapped a gun to your back and like took off. Like I just would anything happen to the gun? Would everything be fine when it left the atmosphere and got into space? I these are all things I'm just curious about. I don't know enough about I, I don't know enough about guns and I don't know enough about space. space. <laughs> What's the trip to space? I mean Look, if Donald Trump gets reelected next week, he said he wanted a permanent manned presence on the moon. So I mean, like, let's you know do that it. base let's... is going to have armed guards. Well, and and you know that that base is suddenly like the place to be. So let's do it. Let's get a DNVR field trip to space. I'm sold. You're listening to DNVR live from the moon. Could you imagine that delay? Oh god, that would be awful. <laughs> the game would be over for like what, like half an hour, yeah. and then we would be like, "Okay, we're going live." Here goes puck drop. The game, the game just ended. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, on a scale of one to ten, how horrible are the Dallas Stars jerseys? I think both AJ and I actually like them. We're probably in the minority, yep. but I think the concepts of them are kind of ugly. But I think when you <clears throat> I think when you think about what they'll look like on the ice themselves, I think that the 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 black, like that really dark, like jet black with the pop with the neon green, I think it's really going to pop with the ice being white. I mean, so I think they have a chance to look super cool. Black jerseys are almost always cool, in my opinion. Uh, the neon, I'm a little bit more iffy on it than you, but I think the design, love the front logo of the outline of Texas with the Dallas logo inside of it. I, I was a little iffy about that because as somebody whose next tattoo is going to have a Texas logo, <laughs> a, it's going to have the state of Texas incorporated into it. Um, you're not the Texas stars. Put it away. I didn't love that part of it. Well, but until there's a team in San Antonio, they kind of are. Well, and there's a, their their affiliate is the one that's in Austin. But I think like they set it up right, like where it's the Texas outline, and then their logo is where Dallas is. Yeah. So I got it. I just didn't love it because it feels like they're saying they're the Texas Stars, and I'm kind of like, no, yeah. I want you to blow it out your ass. We got uh, we got some Futurama references in chat now. All right, uh, you guys I can't going... I can't think about Futurama without thinking about the one episode with the dog. Yeah, the and... My wife literally will force me to turn the TV off if she thinks that episode might even be close to coming on. Yeah, I I tried to. Uh, I'm very much a like bathe in your pain kind of person because that way it it hardens it you know and you get over it and i tried to watch that episode for a second time and i couldn't get to it it's rough i was i was it was just too painful i was like nope Mm -mm." it wasn't the first time i saw it was before i owned a dog and it was like man that's really sad but now that i own a dog it's like no nope don't need to be thinking about that in my life yeah Anyway, a little bit back to the topic here of leagues around North America. The kind of the main point that is relevant to the avalanche, I guess, we'll put it that way. With the AHL targeting a February start date, it's hard to see the NHL starting before that as well. It's hard to see them. It's it's hard to see them starting legitimately January 1st. 
Yeah. Like, I think that the AHL saying February 5th makes it feel like January 15th is, is maybe where the NHL start date actually comes into play. And training camp start on January 1st. Um, they have two weeks of camp, 30 players, 30, 35 players, whatever, kind of like the camp they just had. Um, you're not spending a lot of time with um, draft picks and, you know, like we're not, we're, we're not going to see Niles Oman yeah. at, at camp this year, the, you know, stuff like coming. That. So I'm, I'm of the opinion that that's um, the, the way that all of these kind of set themselves up, it felt like they gave themselves wiggle room to push it back from January 1st if if they needed to. And they would still be okay. Instead of being like, we're going to start on January 10th, and then the NHL is like, we really have to start on the 1st now. Yep. It gave them wiggle room to use January to kind of move around a little bit. Because if they start, say they wanted to push it back to the 15th, Okay. Push it back to the 15th, and uh, so then all the guys that you release to the AHL then immediately go to AHL training camp again, two weeks. That gives them a full month of camp before their, the AHL season opens, and then you just off you go and you play. Yep. It, it makes it would just be very hard for the AHL to start up without the NHL in tandem in some way, right? Because yeah. they, the AHL can't start before the NHL. Pretty much. And, you know, barring uh, the NHL not having a season or something, they just, the AHL won't even know what their rosters are going to be without the NHL. Yeah. And all of this right now is still super theoretical just because if you look at where COVID is, yep. not only has it not gotten better, it's gotten worse. Yep. And it's taken a turn towards us being more out of control than ever. You know, uh, Colorado is going back to its, I think they called it safe at home level three restriction. Yep. Uh, which was public, public places are all the way down to 25% now. Um, basically like right on the, the edge of total lockdown yet again. Yep. Um, and, and we're like, look, we're November starts on Sunday couple days from now so you know yeah. like we're not we're not um if if training camp is supposed to start six weeks from now in the middle of december they're really Pushing they're really it. banking on something changing in yep. society yep because it, if we're not if we're having 25 percent capacity at restaurants we're not having people in ball arena. Oh, and there's the other side of this, uh, which mainly affects the OHL and the AHL. We've kind of already talked about this with the NHL having a Canadian division. Yep. But the OHL has teams in North in the United States and the AHL has a couple of teams up in Canada yeah. that would have border crossing issues significantly as it stands right now, <clears throat> as it stands right now. Um, there might be a little movement on that front because Canada, uh, the Canadian government has been, I feel like I'm more involved in Canadian government's yeah. soup than most I'm, people for sure. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like 
Let me tell you, they're going to get an angry email from me in the next few days. <laughs> um, but like they, they have been talking about uh, lifting the 14 day quarantine restriction in favor of rapid tested rapid testing systems at the airports. And so you would get a rapid test when you're at the airport. And then um, seven days later, you'd go back to the airport and test again. And then obviously, depending on the results, like right, go from there. And so that would give teams a window to fly into Canada where you don't have the quarantine restriction. They all rapid test at the border at the airport. If everybody's clean, cool. Then you go and you play your games. They'll obviously have to continue daily testing and all that. But um, then all you do is you just stay in Canada for a week. Yep. You just do the whole Canada trip. Yeah. You you would you know, fly to Vancouver and then work your way east or yep. fly to... I'm not sure which. I don't know my Canadian geography well Montreal. enough to know the easternmost. I think it's city. Montreal. It might be, a, but yeah, it's got fly to fly to Toronto or Montreal and work your way west. What, whichever way you want to do it, whatever. And then, you know, do do that. Like that's that's that would make plenty of sense. You know, it's a long road trip, but if they're going to have road trips and they're not going to do hub uh, bubble cities and hub cities and things like that. Um, you know that would be a that would be a change that would benefit all of the leagues tremendously. Yeah, because even sure. the even the WHL has border issues. Yeah. Yep, you'd have to they'd have to do the WHL might be a little bit better because they already kind of had the US division. Um, yeah, yeah, but is are those? It's what just a couple of teams. Yeah, it's like, are those teams just going to play each other right, all year? Each other twenty five times a piece or something? Yeah, seriously, be brutal. Well, what I mean, what kind of development are you talking about? Like, oh, Portland and Seattle played each other fourteen times this year. Sasha Mutala got his third hat trick on this junk goalie. Great, yeah, right. <laughs> like, all of a sudden, Sasha Mutala is a hundred and thirty point player because he's playing against three other teams that don't have any NHL players on him. Yeah, that's uh, definitely a fair question that has to be answered for those leagues. Yeah, and and yeah, like the OHL, it's only I think it's only what like one or two teams I think that are in yeah. that are and that are in the like, United States. There's three. There's Saginaw. Uh, oh, four even Saginaw, Windsor, uh, uh, Erie, and I think there's one more in Michigan. It's only okay. three. Okay, it's only three. All right. Oh, I thought so. Did Flint move? Okay. Flint, there it is, yeah. Okay. Anyway, yeah, it's it's a couple of teams. Their problem is it's weird because those teams are like right on the border though. Yeah. Well and Windsor especially is like yeah. it's it's Canadian, but it's literally like across yeah. the street from the US. So yeah. Anyway, so that's those are all issues that those those leagues are gonna face and and then what happens if you have an all Canadian division and then, you know, let's fast forward to May and let's say, or let's fast forward to April and let's say, you know, things are, things are a little bit better thing. We've, we've starting to get a hold. We've started to get a hold of things and we could start allowing more fans. in. do we still need the all Canadian division? Does the all Canadian division translate into the postseason? 
Right. Well, Colorado and Vegas are now playing each other in the first round because they're not in Canada. Yeah, what happens? Like, is this on? is this turning into a massive competitive advantage because the Canadian teams just aren't very good? It could be. I mean, like, what's the let's think about the Canadian teams and let's they would have to they would have to be a quote unquote Western Conference team because the two Eastern yeah. Conference the Metro doesn't even get touched. And the Atlantic would absorb two or three central teams yep. under the setup that we used, right? Which is the most logical setup. So that's just, the one we're gonna geographical. Yeah, yeah. We're just gonna we're just gonna assume that that's what we're doing so far. But like those guys would have the advantage because it would be, you know, I think Toronto would probably be the best. I think Montreal's had a good off season. They Montreal could be really good. They've spent a lot of money and a lot of resources to be good. Sure did. So those two, those two teams, you know, I think are are pretty decent. Ottawa is still on the on the come up. Calgary got a goaltender in Markstrom, but hasn't done anything else. They got worse defensively. Um, Vancouver obviously got Schmidt, but they haven't made all of the moves that they are going to have to make. They need to shed cap. Yeah, they're not they're not cap compliant at the moment. So they've got to do something. Um, still doesn't have goaltending. Like. Yeah, Edmonton. Edmonton, I think sneaky got better, and then ran back its bad goaltending situation. Yep. And so it's like you're kind of iffy there. You know, Winnipeg got a two C in Stasny, but Stasny's not even the same guy that he was just two Last years time ago. He was in Winnipeg. <laughs> yeah, exactly, man. Like it's. I, I feel like the Canadian division would have it, it's the land of mediocrity. Toronto would run away with that division. Yep. It and it would be it would be the cleanest path they will ever have to a conference final. Yep. Because they play you would play assuming they use the same kind of format, you know, but if it's an all Canadian division and they're not allowed to travel in the postseason or whatever, like how would you do it standings wise? I mean, I think if I were the NHL, you cross that bridge when you get there. You're just trying to have a season. Yeah, true. True enough. It's just the the all-Canadian thing is is the one where I'm like, those teams are going to be sick of each other. Yeah, for sure. And it doesn't and it wouldn't make sense for the Canadian teams to just play each other all year and then to have the American divisions like it wouldn't make sense for the Avs to be flying around out east. Yeah, definitely. You have to keep the travel under somewhat control. Doggo, <laughs> doggo, Rexo, kind of blending into my green screen there, bud. Uh, it there's the actual logistics of getting this done are quite difficult. Like, let's yeah. just be honest about that. This is going to be really hard to pull off, and especially because they need fans in the stands. And right now, there isn't any, there isn't anywhere that's viable that where that is viable. Even when the with the AHL announcing today, they said, look. Right now, we can't guarantee that all 31 teams would be ready to play. Yep. Because of the situations in their in their local areas. Yeah, it's that's just reality. Uh, we can get into a little bit more. Do need to take our first period break. Logistics always make me want to Breck Brew. So got to acknowledge them, the official beer of DNVR. You can get eight different kinds on tap. If you're the type of person that wants to get on down to the bar, you might want to do it soon based on what we were talking about. Uh Limits may uh, may get back in place. So <clears throat> if you want to swing by, go get some. 
If not, you can always get it delivered with an app like Drizzly or something like that, or go to your local liquor store and find Breck Beer near you with the Breck Beer Locator online. And we are also sponsored by MSU Denver Online, which puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring you the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs, and some of our very own staff, both Allie Monroy and Harrison Wind, took classes over the summer. So if you have any questions, they have direct experience with everything that was going on during the pandemic and taking classes. Be sure to hit them up, and they'll happily let you know. Second period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. As we kind of continue this conversation... You mentioned 31 teams might not be ready to go. And with the AHL particularly, if there aren't fans in the stands, how can they even have a season? Yeah. I mean, the NHL is such a gate driven league. Yeah. What in the world is the AHL going to do? I don't, I, I really don't. I don't know, man. I'm worried about the AHL. I am too, man. Like um, seriously as like surviving as an entity. Right. Like we talk about we talk about all of all these all these rich owners and all these teams, right? The the AHL is not that. Yeah. Is not like that. Like the the owner of the Eagles, that dude's got money, right? Yep. Like he not he not hurting, but there that's that's not a dude that can just make no money. On the entire Eagles season. Right. That's look, they're they're not the ECHL. Uh, ECHL is a league that has teams fold in wildly successful seasons. They're a step above that. Yeah. But they're not that far removed from teams just straight up ceasing to exist. Yeah. So it's and that's the fear with the AHL this year, man, is that that those thirty one teams don't get going and it takes several years for the league to recover. Yep. And like the, what's awful about this is that the AHL has finally reached that point where 31 teams have 31 development programs going on. There's not these split teams, nothing funky with that. Yeah. You know. Teams have started buying their own AHL franchises uh, so that they can be in more, more in control of what's going on. Cause like you have, you know, you have that uh, you have the Chicago wolves, right? Yep. Historically really successful. But anybody that anybody that's affiliated with them knows that like they're playing to win, not to they're, develop. They're not interested in developing your players. Yep. You know, and when you're when you're affiliated with the St. Louis Blues who don't have any prospects, it's fine. Yep. It works. It's it's not an issue. But when but when, when you're, you're and you have a ton of draft picks flooding into right. the system, and you need to you need to try and develop. You don't want that to be the place where you're you've got it going on. I think. Um, this was a concern that I had with the Eagles. Same. And it hasn't been a problem because the Avs have part of their agreement was, Hey, the Avs are going to be the ones who dictate things. You know, when we talk about guys getting opportunities, guys being in the lineup, that stuff, like the Avs dictate that stuff from the top. There's someone in the Avs making that decision to say, Nick Henry is going to be on the fourth line kind of thing. Right. Like I, this is this is not like Greg Cronin is not like the all evil there. Sure, I I do think it could be better with the Eagles. Yeah, but it's certainly not 
you're not seeing Martin Cout get scratched or anything crazy either. Right. It's so. been it's been a good marriage so far. I think it's been a good marriage. It's been a positive marriage. I think the next two seasons are going to be critical in that relationship. When the big flood of those prospects comes, yeah. that's where you're really going to see. It'll be really interesting to see how it works because you could build an entire forward core out of Avalanche draftees in the AHL starting next season. Yep. Like, theoretically. It would have to include a guy like a new hook or, you know, a Bowers or a Cout stays back. But you could do it. And it would be interesting to see what it would be like. Like, it, it would just be interesting. Um, but, you know, moving away from the abs, because they're, I think they're fine. They're in a good situation. You're not too worried about the Eagles. There are some franchises, franchises that you would have to worry about. And it's bad. It's bad for the NHL. If, you know, five AHL franchises have to cease operations for a year. Yep. Where are those prospects go? I got to play somewhere. Hopefully that's, that's where they're going to get, they're going to get loaned out to all the other remaining teams. And those guys are going to be all over the place. Yeah. It's, it's tough, especially not just teams that may cease to exist, but what do you do if you're Bakersfield? Anyone who has a chance of getting called up is going to have a massive problem of getting to Edmonton or, or wherever they might be needing. That's the, the, the solution that's been floated for the, the AHL teams in the United States that, that are affiliated with Canadian teams is that those teams would just temporarily move to Canada. Would that work? I mean, you could easily put a couple of teams in some of these other, in some of these cities. I, I believe you could move the teams. That I have no problem with, but what happens to those fan bases, the local fan bases, when I they're don't have playing an in Canada that, and they don't have a decent way to watch their team play hockey? Yeah, the Bakersfield Condors just don't exist for a year, and then they come back in the fall. Right. I don't know what happens. I don't have an answer to that. Um, that I, I really, I yeah, I really don't know, man. That's a tough question gonna be tough it's gonna be tough you could, you could definitely you're right you could easily move the team up into canada and they can play up there but then are they still the bakersfield condors right. when they're playing in edmonton sharing the edmonton oil king locker room <laughs> exactly it it becomes kind of a tough spot for for the yeah. local fan bases at the very least well and and you wonder for cap purposes you know are you what yeah. if a guy if a guy tests positive um, for COVID while you're on a road trip, are you, are there going to be cap exemptions? Is there going to be like a special COVID list that you could put a player on? That's Just not IR. That. Yeah. That, and that, so that, then that the, the cap wouldn't, you know, they would become cap exempt and you'd be able to get a player on your roster. Can you take extra players on road trips? Like there are so many different aspects to this that have to be worked out. So many logistics, not just that, but in what, everyone is expecting to be a very cramped season. Yeah. How do you manage a COVID delay? As we saw both baseball and football now have to deal with games getting delayed because of COVID. You know, I, uh, those are also two leagues that are just naturally set up to handle that because baseball, you can have a double header. Sure. Football, you play one game a week. So, right. And so you just move it. Yeah. And if you have to move the entire schedule for the NFL, you do, as we saw, Yep. They had they had to they had to switch one game and it ended up being 
I think eight teams ended up having games. Their schedule changed. Yeah. Because they had to move Broncos Patriots three different times. So it's just, it's so hard. All of the preparation that you have to do, all the things that they didn't have to deal with because of the playoff bubble, they're going to have to deal with in a regular season. Probably. Yeah. And then, and, and you do wonder, like if you're, if you're the abs, and this is the development like atmosphere that you're facing. Do you leave Connor Timmons down there? Do you leave Shane Bowers down there? Well, or do I, you try and find a way? We haven't even gotten into the conversation of is there going to be like a taxi squad like baseball had? Right. A non non cap hit five guys that you you travel with the team. Something like that. But we don't know. The re- the, and that's this is why it's hard to expect the NHL to be ready to go by January 1st is right. there's still so many questions to answer because it is, you know, we're coming up on the start of November this weekend and they have no answers to these questions. As of this moment, they don't have solid answers to these questions and if they wanted to start January 1st, they would have to get training camps going about December 15th. You're talking 45 days away. Basically you're talking not even seven full weeks yep. for them to get it figured out. This is, this is why there's not a lot of confidence and the people that I've talked to around the league don't have confidence that it's starting on January 1st. There's been a lot of talk that it's starting on February 1st, that the realistic goal January 1st is a let's make a bunch of these decisions and let's let's use that as a timeline for getting all of this done. Yep. But when it comes to actually starting the games and getting going, this give we can have all these answers but we're going to push it back so that we can get fans in the stands. We would rather give up 15 10 to 15 games of fanless games and then and versus getting fans in the stands. You're right. And and instead of and, a instead of a 60 game season where a month of that there are no fans, you have a 48 game season with as many fans as they as they will allow. Yeah. That we're about to get to that in a little bit Ned Ned Needus. No. Yeah. Names aren't for me. About to get to that. Uh, but we do need yeah. to take our second period break as we do have Chevalier Mortgage as one of our newer sponsors. Both Mike and Virginia have been in the business for over 15 years. Not only that, they're diehard Broncos fans and CSU alums. So they've been around the whole Colorado area and are even proud DNVR members for a long time. So if you need to deal with mortgage information, hit these guys up. You can go to their website, dnvrmortgage.com, and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice. Plus, get set up with a free consultation to discuss all of your options. Again, that's dnvrmortgage.com. Since your home is likely to be one of your largest assets in your mortgage, your largest debt, they believe it is vital to consider your full financial picture when purchasing a home. This includes considering your short-term and long-term planning goals, your investments, and your tax situation. Mike and Virginia will work tirelessly to find the best loan for you and your situation. Again, dnvrmortgage.com, or you can call Virginia directly at 303-257-6578 to get set up with your chance to win a free DNVR shirt or hat and a free consultation. Michael Chevalier, NMLS 1931006, Virginia Chevalier, NMLS 1910631. 
Third period of Two Guys and a Fly, a.k.a. the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. So, as mentioned in the chat, Martin Count moving to Moto in Sweden after the Czech League had been shut down for about a month due to uh, COVID lockdown. I mean, okay. I'm glad that he's found a place to play hockey, basically. (laughs) Yeah, like this is this is starting to get a little ridiculous. Yeah. Um you know, he gets special permission from the Avs. Okay, you can go play in the Czech League. Um plays he plays four games. <laughs> yeah, he plays four games for Partabite. Cool. Uh and then he now he's going to go play. Okay, so um just to clear up cuz there will 100% be at least one person who listens to this and remembers when we talked about Byram potentially going to Sweden. Yep. Um big thing here, Moto is in the Allsvenskan. Right. Which the is second. the second it's the second tier Swedish league. He is allowed to play in the Allsvenskan and then come back and play in the NHL this year. Yep. The NHL or the SHL has put restrictions on players if they play in the SHL this year, they cannot leave to go back to the United States. That's true. That's true for prospects. Everyone That's, playing in the league. Yep. Yeah, it's true for all the all the guys who made commitments because the Swedish league said we're not dealing with this. Where we have 35 guys who are gonna go take tryout jobs or tryout opportunities in NHL training camps and leave us halfway through the year. Yep. We're not doing that. If you're playing in the SHL this year, you're playing in the SHL. Yep. And that's that. And so that count will not be in that league. He is in the league below that where he is allowed to go play for a couple of games, however long it ends up being. And then he's able to leave. That's the key. <laughs> it's cool. It's cool that he's playing for Moto. That's, you know, it's Forsberg's old team. So. Yep. Neat. Neat stuff. He's now he's now played for Hayduke's old team and Forsberg's old team. Count him. He's just racking them up. Yeah. Now he just needs to go. Uh, I guess he's not allowed to go to the WHL anymore. Yeah. So he just needs to go. He's go play for uh, Sackick's old team. Yeah. That get all three. What? Who did Wah play for? I don't even know. Yeah, I have not. Boy, I don't even. I assume a Q team, but I don't. Know. I've never actually known that. <laughs> We can find out. Yeah, I'm going to look it up because now I'm curious and I've never once thought about Patrick Waugh, the junior player. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's the Q. A team that definitely doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> the Granby Bisons. Oh, dang. You know, actually... Okay. I'm a big fan of that six two four goals against average and eight forty two save percentage his first year. <laughs> Pretty rough. <laughs> that definitely had greatest goaltender of all time written all over him. Dude, look at that. This is the crazy part. Is like he played one AHL game. His his final year in the queue, he had an eight seven two save percentage, and they were like, "Yep, this guy's ready for the NHL." <laughs> and then he became the greatest goalie ever. But you know. <laughs> I don't get it, man. I mean, you just even you just look at that performance that he had in the postseason in '86. Yep. Where it's like, 
Well, he played here. <laughs> well, he plays. He plays forty-seven games in the regular season. He has an eight seventy-five save percentage and three point three six goals against average. Like, keep in mind the eighties and the eighties yeah. were very different when the it came to goaltending era for sure. And then he has a very twenty twenty esque one point nine three goals against average, nine twenty three save percentage in the playoffs. Wild. Just and it's like, how do you not consider that one of the greatest performances of all time? Yep. Those would be exceptional stats today. And then you look at you. Patrick Wall was fucking insane, dude. He was so good. Anyway. Truly. Martin Kaut in Sweden. Good for him. Hopefully he gets to stay there for a little while. The, the whole thing that the reason why this is happening is that the Czech league is, is pausing because the entire Czech Republic is going into a COVID lockdown. Now, Sweden infamously has not locked down up to this point. So, hopefully, you know, it stays that way. If it's going to continue to stay that way, society wise, you feel like the hockey is not under threat. Yeah. And, and it's been a struggle for Martin Kaut to find hockey games to play. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's it's it's been tough for him. And, you know, you wonder how much of this is going to be a drain on him when he gets to NHL training camp. Yep. Would you, would, you know, he didn't get to go into the bubble. So there's, that's why he's playing right now. And that's why I don't have any issues with him playing. His last games were in the spring. Like right. my head right. flip was March, like, you know, back then. Back in March. Or yeah. Last game. So, you know, a little bit different, but you do, I, I, I do really wonder, like, what kind of effect does this have on him? Does this help him hit the ground running? Is he going to be in game shape and flying around during whenever Avs training camp is? Or is he going to roll in there and be like, all right, well, I've played in three different leagues in three different countries over the last three months, and I'm exhausted and pretty over this. I'm here, guys. <laughs> You know, like I'm just, I'm just curious, what, uh, what becomes of that, what the, what the impact will be, because you could easily see that going either way. I prefer to believe that he's got youthful energy and he's just gonna, it's gonna springboard him into the league and he's gonna have a great camp and he'll be a permanent NHLer and blah 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 blah. Yeah, uh, we do have some listener questions to get to as well here. Uh, I'm going to modify this Dude. one a little bit. Dude, you're telling me, man. What? <laughs> with the, with the fly. Cause oh, yeah. you know, you know, you know, what's really obnoxious is that the rest of the day, I don't see this thing. And then you, you turn on only, your <laughs> only, only when we've been on the pod and like, I've lived here. I've lived in this house for four or five years. I'm not sure which, and I've n- never had a fly before. And it's just like, this thing is so annoying, dude. <laughs> I'm about to roll up that manscaped newspaper that I have, and I'm just gonna start like I'm gonna get him eventually. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna spend time tonight. I'm gonna get him. <laughs> uh all right. AJ, is Nathan McKinnon the best draft pick in Avs history? I don't want to rank all of them, but let's answer that. Sure. Sure. Today, I would agree with you. I think there will certainly be a case for Kale McCarr in a couple of years. 
I think it's an interesting conversation because there are guys like they got David Jones in, in a yeah, round that doesn't sixth, exist ninth anymore. Round, they have a bunch of guys in the fifth round that they like knocked out of the park. Yeah, like they got NHLers out of a bunch of mid to late round guys that they that they ended up trading away. Yeah. Like, like uh, Mark Parrish had a long career. Yep. Um, you know Tom Gilbert type. Like he had a long career. Yeah, there's Verbata in the seventh round. Yeah, I mean Sammy Paulson was like a seventh round pick, yep. and he was part of the Ray Bork deal. Eight hundred NHL games, right? Eight hundred NHL games, dude. Yep, that's a decade in the league. Like that's so. When you talk about like best pick, you know, it's tough to be like, well, you know, like McKinnon was first overall, and yeah. you know, he's a it's superstar. So yeah. it's it's basically like you had the most valuable pick and you got the most valuable player. Like you did a good job there. You did you, you accomplished what you had to accomplish with that pick. Whereas with, you know, with an eighth round pick, you're just hoping yeah. to get a guy that you signed to an ELC. And I mean, you got they got Paul Stastny in the middle of the second round. Like, yeah, if you're looking I mean, for pick value, Brian O'Reilly and Tyson Berry as non first rounders in 2009. Yep. Like, even even if you look at a guy like Alex Tange, they got they, I think he ended oh, up being the. He ended up being the second or third best player from that draft, and they got him at twelve. Yep. So and that's a that's a fantastic pick in a in a draft where they also got Skula, Regeer, and Parker in the first yeah. round. As right, Regeer like playing over a thousand games, even if that wasn't really with the Avs. But Drury and Hayduk were, I think, third, and I think they were both third round picks as well. Like I you're talking, like, was a Quebec pick, I believe. But yeah, yeah, he was. Troy um, might have been too. I don't know. I think he was too. But regardless, they, especially in the 90s and up through the mid 2000s, they did better outside the first. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, in, in those first couple of years, like, Mark Denis was a legit first round pick. It was just he spent his whole career in Columbus and, you know. It's like funny that. because you take you take Patrick Waugh's successor and Patrick Waugh didn't retire. Yeah. Like Patrick Waugh and Mark Denis were out of the league at the same time. <laughs> I don't I actually don't know when Mark Denis retired, but it was like that. Yep. You know, Patrick Waugh retired in two thousand three. The Avs picked his successor as their first ever draft pick in ninety five. Uh here's an interesting question. If EJ does get bought out, uh, and assuming like post retirement, could you see him taking a non-player role with the organization? Totally. It it really kind of it really kind of depends on how that just how that relationship goes and whatever EJ wants to do post career. I've never had the post career conversation with EJ. Um, I've had it with a couple of other players. Uh, typically, like I had it with John Mitchell. Funny enough. Um, the radio was the radio guy. <laughs> radio was actually not on his list of things he thought about doing post career. <laughs> um, it goes sometimes. Yeah, he uh, it just worked out for him. Yep. But I, I don't know. I I could see that. You know, you, <laughs> I mean, did 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 you imagine that when Brian Wilsey was tearing it up in his last Avs training camp? 
right, that, that he like would he would suddenly he would become long yeah yeah he would become a long term member of their development team like you just don't really know yeah that's yeah he could totally he could totally get himself into uh, deeper into the horse racing start of things so yeah I think Belmar probably I think I, I thought John Mitchell was going to go into coaching I. Because every time I talk to him about it, I I like to talk to centers about faceoffs and just see if any of them will give me anything. And John Mitchell was the only one who would actually give me an in-depth answer to the point where I was like, I don't even know what to make of this anymore. <laughs> um all right. Moving on. This is a tough question to answer, but NHL rule changes you'd like to see, but also ideas that would make the NHL the biggest league in North America. Um, rule changes, they are what we had. They are, AJ, always rails for making delay of game just the same as icing. Yeah. <laughs> We're moving offsides, uh, the offside review. Yep. Maybe maybe even just tweaking it so that if you can't, if you can't clearly see it... It's a good goal kind of thing. On the... Uh, on the first like four review angles that you yeah. look at 30, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. None of this, none of this slowing it down to split the atom nonsense where you're yeah. like, you're using this ultra grainy camera right. and you're you, like, you at least get like a 4k camera to look at that. If you're going to look at it that right. Cool. If you're going to do that, you're the, the, you need a much better freaking camera. If you're going to try and, if you're going to try and do that. So I'm, I, I think, I think one of the, it's not a rule change, but investing in just better cameras in general around the entire rink, you know, the, the goal cameras on the goal lines, you have those same kinds of like grainy photos. Like think about the pictures we were looking at when, uh, what was it? Essa Lindell scored that goal against the abs where he just celebrated and we couldn't tell if the puck was actually in or not. Yeah, and there was there was eventually an angle where it looked like it was in, but it was from like Some the other end of the arena, yeah. and it was super zoomed in, and you're like, "What the hell is this?" Yep, yeah, it's pretty rough. So I uh, I like the trapezoid personally. Goaltenders playing pucks didn't do much for me. Yeah, I I, I mean, if they removed it, fine, whatever. I just yeah, don't think it matters that much. I I would be completely indifferent if they announced tomorrow that it was it was. A thing I'd be like, well, the Islanders are in trouble because Marley can't <laughs> handle a puck. <laughs> Nothing. But that would, that would be it. <laughs> like they just play as if there was a trapezoid. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, I I would be totally indifferent. I'm totally indifferent about the trapezoid personally. Um, um I, I yeah, the delay of game thing I will always hammer away at. Outside of the NFL folding, I don't think there's any way the NHL ever becomes the biggest sport in in the United States. So yeah, yeah, I don't see how it ever happens. Yeah, I just don't see. I don't see that pathway. People just don't connect. Um, it hockey because hockey is a constant flow of of chaos of controlled chaos. It's not the same as the NFL. You know, there's a fine line between NFL and and MLB where. People complain about the MLB being too slow, but like football, because, you know, it, it's, you know, that, that famous statistic of in a football game in three and a half hours, there's only 11 minutes of action. 
but it's a very controlled action every 30 to 40 seconds. And in baseball, it's not like that. You can go like an entire at bat, you know, 11 pitches. And all this dude is like, he's fouling it off. And like baseball junkies are like, this is tremendous theater. What an at bat. And your casual is just like, oh my God, it's been 17 minutes and we're on the same at bat. We're never getting through this. Uh, as you know? who who loves baseball, to the casual eye, the, oh, what's he going to do next factor is basically boiled down to, well, is he going to throw a fastball or a curveball? Whereas the what's going to happen next in football, it seems a lot like there are a lot more possibilities, right? Yeah. They're like, oh, they could run the ball. Oh, they could pass the ball. Oh, the defense is going to blitz, whatever. It's a really fascinating game of chess that plays out at high speed. Right. And like, if you're not into that, then you're not into that. But I like, I love watching football. I have a hard time. Um, I've, I've become less and less of a fan over the years. One, because football fans are so obnoxious and like, <laughs> like as much as like hockey fans get, get dumped on for, for gatekeeping and being like, like you ask any sports talk radio guy, which is the worst fan base to deal with. And they always tell you hockey. But it's mostly because hockey fans don't put up with ignorance. Yep. They're not a fan of it. And football fans bathe in it. Yep. Like football fans, like they are the ultimate pigs and shit. They roll around in mud and bury themselves in hot takes and like nonsense. And and it's just they and when you have one game a week, you have six days to talk about. Right, the last game and then the next game, and you got to split your time, and then it's all breakdown. Like, right, and it's just, and it's just, ugh. NFL fans are just like, I like, and and it sucks because I'm an all sports fan, and so I like, there's always a part of me that feels offended when somebody trashes a sports fans, but it's just like they make it, they make it really miserable to, to be. A bro- like a being a Broncos fan kind of sucks. I, it, I like, can't have the Drew Lock conversation for the eighth time when he's playing his ninth ever NFL game. It's like there's there's <laughs> no like there's no patience. There's yeah. the high, the expectations are sky high all the time, and like given their history, it's 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 fine, right? Like it's you understand where the where Broncos fans are coming from, but there's like a certain arrogance to it, and there's a certain like. You, you, they're like the where the Broncos are today is kind of where the Avs were two years ago. There's a bunch of talent there. They're teaming with talent. They've had some injury problems that have really that that really kept them from getting off the ground this year. But it's like this should be like the really fun time to be a Broncos fan, where your expectations are low, but the talent is high, and that's a good combination. Yep. And instead. The expectations are super duper high and the anger is through the roof. And there isn't any way that this team can ever live up to what the fans want them to. And it's just really, it makes the experience miserable. And that's my only football fandom that I can, that I can speak to. Sure. And so that's my only experience. And like, cause like being a Broncos fan is great when you're, when you're winning division titles and, you know, blah, 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 blah. But it's just like, I, one of the, Oh my gosh, man. I'm super thankful for being a baseball fan growing up wrong holiday, probably, but uh, specifically a Rockies fan, because 
there's never expectations with that team. Well, and 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 like it's funny because it's the two extremes. Yeah, Rockies Rockies fans like don't want you to have fun because then you're complaining. You're pressure on the team. <laughs> well, you're if if you have if you have fun as a Rockies fan, then you are complicit in accepting their mediocrity, right? And that makes you a bad fan. And it's just like, uh like, and obviously, like this is these are like broad strokes, you know, like. There's plenty of people that are perfectly good fans on all sides. But. Yeah, there are awesome and like you go down to the DNVR bar and you hang out with them and you're like these are these are awesome people that I could talk sports with all day. But like you you watch how Broncos fandom was when they beat the Patriots. Yeah. Like they beat the Patriots in Foxborough. And it should have been a big deal. And instead it was like Drumlock! and you're like dude what that should have been a fun day for everybody Everyone. and it just it just kind of makes the experience a little miserable and there are rockies fans on the other side of that where like the rockies win you know they win eight out of ten yep and they they make you feel bad for having a good time with it it's like they would it's like 10, but their bullpen's war was minus one and it's like come on yeah where you're like you're like well I know that this guy's FIP, you know, was was way too high. And because of that, he's going to come back down to earth. And it's like, oh, my God, is this what I sound like when I talk about shooting percentages? I get it. Can I still have fun? Can I still enjoy when things are going well? Like, being a sports fan is just, the, it's just a complicated relationship. Yep, it is. It's just a complicated relationship because you're trying to balance a lot of different emotions and there's a lot of, there's just there. It's, it's complicated. Being a sports fan is amazing and I wouldn't trade it for anything, but it's really dumb sometimes. Yeah. Well, you, you signed that paper when you agreed to be a sports fan, you know, stuff was going to get stupid. I didn't because I was three. I had no idea. Now, now when I, you know, was a child of the internet growing up in AOL chat rooms, then I should have known. <laughs> you knew it was coming by then. Yeah, I should have. I should have known then. But instead, I turned it into my entire life work. So, well, who's the dumbass I, here? I mean, what else? What else do we have? I was, you had a couple that I forget you wanted to answer. I'm not sure which ones exactly. But Rudo, we're both gamer guys. Uh, yeah. A video game that we have played that we all the way through to the end that we regretted. Uh, most of them. And you can't say you can't say BFA. I I don't I didn't play at the start, so I don't think it qualifies. Uh, let's see. Mm. Boy, that I regretted. Hold on, let me let me pull up my Steam library real quick. Okay, well while you do that, I have the answer because I remember doing it, and it was absolutely Resident Evil Six. Um. <laughs> That series, but okay. It, it was so Resident Evil Five was a big departure because it was way more action game, and then it was also co-op, and it was badass. It was a lot of fun. I beat that game. I bought it on three different platforms and beat it with three different people because I loved playing that game that much. And then Resident Evil Five or Resident Evil Six came out, and it was fully co-op with a bunch of old school characters, and oh my god, and it like. The stories, it, it it sounds cool in theory because there are four different paths of the main story, two characters each, right? 
and then they intersect throughout the game. So then you'll so you'll end up playing some of the same sure. Some of the you'll you'll end up playing some of the same fights multiple times, but from different angles. People, yeah. This could have been cool. It was not. It was miserable. It felt like doing chores. And like when you're playing Animal Crossing, you're expecting to be doing fake chores. But when you're playing Resident Evil 6, you are not expecting to be doing fake chores. It sucked. And when we got done with it, I was so happy that I uninstalled it and like tried to remove it from my brain immediately. <laughs> I went out and bought all the bleach that I could, opened up the top of my head and poured it all over my brain just to try and get rid of that memory. And now that I'm talking about it, clearly it didn't work. Dragon Age 2, good answer. Um, I did. I really like the original Dragon Age as well, and the rest of the series has just been a disappointment to me. Yeah, I would but, agree with that too. Uh, my hot take that people, there are people that will want to find me and stab me for this is uh, Wind Waker. Wind Waker, not a good game. Wow. It, it had Legend of Zelda attached to it, so I played it all the way through. I would never ever want to spend and waste hours of my life sailing the seas to like pull up treasure chests in the middle of nowhere for absolutely zero reason. I did not like the art style at all. I thought the end fight, that version of Ganondorf was the most overrated garbage ever. The story was extremely predictable. And, and Ocarina of Time is my favorite game of all time. So I love Zelda, and that game was just not it. It just wasn't it. So tune into the gaming podcast that returns tomorrow, tomorrow for more takes like this. Drew's going to – actually, Drew will be fine with it. Drew doesn't like Zelda that much. <laughs> okay, Wind Waker is better than Breath of the Wild. Dude. That's just a fat lie. <laughs> I am an extremely lukewarm Zelda fan, and – Wind Waker better than Breath of the Wild is like. <laughs> you know, they're talking about Breath of the Wild 2 being co-op. I've heard. I'm I'm skeptical of that, but I am too. But I'm a I'm a there's no way. Yeah, you got that co-op squad ready to go now. Yeah, it would uh I don't know. I'm This is this is turning into a gaming pod. I wanted to answer that question just so I could dunk on and hate Resident Evil Resident 6 Evil. publicly. <laughs> oh, this is a great question. Uh, Steph asks, does the find of more water on the moon make it more or less likely that the moon is haunted? 100% haunted water. I think it, it absolutely has to enhance the hauntedness of the moon. It has to. So back to where we started the show. Firing a shotgun. Yeah. We, that's right. We started in space and we're ending in space. <laughs> that's right. Yes. <laughs> Man. That's, look, all right. COVID bubble solved for the NHL. Hockey on the moon. Oh, my God. That'd be so cool. The moon's going to be haunted by the Stanley Cup. Could you imagine the problem that you would have when Nathan McKinnon just blasts down the ice and then can't stop and just floats away? And you're like, well, now we need a new number one center. When I say hockey in a bubble, I literally mean like a bubble of ice that they have to skate in. There's no out of bounds. <laughs> He's skating upside down. 
<laughs> so is it like the is it like a like a like one of those balls that people get in and they they move yeah, it like like the zorb things yeah yeah totally and then where like you have to like rotate the the ball of ice in order to get the goal to the to the flat part where you can try and I score I don't, I don't know how it would work like how what are the dimensions of this ball <laughs> They'd have to be massive. Yeah, right. <laughs> like... <laughs> um, yeah, that's my vote. Any any last any last questions before we get out of here? Yes, true true story. The gaming pod is coming back tomorrow morning. Yeah, it will be back live tomorrow. Um, we will be back with a regular of that. Also, I think I'm gonna start streaming again. Um, I've been talking about it and Z just tells me to shut up and do it. So I think I'm going to start streaming me gaming again. Hell yeah. For the five, five of you that care. Yep. Get a couple of you in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So there we go. We, uh, we solved both the COVID problem and how to make NHL the most popular sport in North America. Send them to the moon. Easy. (laughs) (laughs) On that note, we're going to get out of here for a, an interesting show today. Uh, there's nothing yeah. to talk about with AJ Greer. He's gone. <laughs> yeah. Um, there isn't really much to get into. Like, it just didn't work with the team and the organization. So, um, yeah. Uh, I s- expect AJ will be streaming on his page. Yeah. Um, tomorrow, uh, Canadian World Junior Selection Show is going to be happening. We will be going live at some point after that and talking about that quite a bit. Absolutely. Um, Lined up to have at least a few guys on that team, you would think. I can I can tell you I'm not allowed to specifically get into it, but there is a very good chance that there will be three abs players on that list. All right. Let the speculation commence. And you'll get the official answer tomorrow simple as that we get out of here on to DraftKings sportsbook the number one rated sportsbook app out there giving you this week the chance to turn one dollars into one hundred dollars when you want to bet on ohio state versus penn state pick either team to win if they do win one dollar for a hundred bucks easy money at the same time they're also giving new users a thousand dollars when you sign up with the code dnvr so turn free money into more free money Easy enough with DraftKings Sportsbook. If that's not your type of thing, be sure to check out the odds boost. They have amazing bets on all sorts of sports every single day, and they can give you even like missions and stuff like make three of these bets or make three of those bets, and they'll just give you free money to bet with when you do that. So tons of great offers over at DraftKings. Download their top-rated sportsbook app now and use code DNVR when you sign up to make sure you get all of the can't-miss offers, whether it be turning $1 into $100 or the $1,000 sign-up bonus with that DNVR code. Limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado-only bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25x play through restrictions apply see draftkings.com slash sportsbook for details gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700 thank you everyone for hanging out asking questions all of that should be a fun rest of the week with the wjc announcement and then who knows what we're going to do for for our friday show right before halloween but some free skate friday goodness 
Until tomorrow, we will talk to y'all next time.